Take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Spanning the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. CannabisRadio.com presents The Russ Belleville Show The voice of the marijuana nation Hey, this is great, man Now, here's your host Radical Russ Belleville Good day, tokers and tokettes And non-toking lovers of liberty It is Wednesday, July 27th, 2016 And it's got to be 420 somewhere in the world Thanks for being here great day in beautiful legal potland, Oregon, and we've got plenty of stuff to cover on today's show. Quick reminder, today's show is just an hour-long show. All the shows this week will just be one hour long as the Democratic National Convention is happening, and I enjoy watching history unfold. So we'll go back to the two-hour shows next week when there's a little less to have to pay attention to on the political front. For today's show, uh, we'll get to a radical rant at the end of the show, and I'm going to go off the warpath again because uh, I've got to talk about politics. I'm going to talk about um, this whole Bernie or bust phenomenon that I'm a part of and how the Democrats are reacting to that in Philly. I had written up about a 3,000-word essay. I spent all morning on this thing, researching it and rewriting it and editing it. And just as I was going to save it, the computer crapped out on me, and I lost all four hours worth of writing today. So I'm in a bit of a grumpy mood, and I'll see if I can remember most of my points uh, when we get to the radical rant. Also coming up on the show today, uh, we will have our Hemp Day Hump Day update. That's right. Doug Fine, the organic cowboy, the author of Too High to Fail and Hemp Bound, he will be talking to us and giving us the latest updates nationwide on how the hemp crops are coming. Also on the show today, uh, we are continuing our look at the Democratic National Convention. And uh, I was able to reach Peter Ogburn yesterday. We were going to talk to him yesterday, but when I was calling out to him, uh, the number said uh, blocked number because it's a Skype dial. And so he didn't think it was me. <laughs> so he, he kept hanging up on that expecting my number to be calling him afterwards. So that's why we weren't able to hook up yesterday. We got that all worked out today. So we will talk to Peter Ogburn live inside the Democratic National Convention. Uh, Peter is an engineer who works for the Bill Press Show. And I had uh, done some guest slots on the Bill Press Show. And Bill Press was instrumental in getting me my first uh, political talk radio gig and getting me some credentials and uh, mentoring me uh, when I first started talk radio 10 years ago. So Peter's got, uh, the, got the access to the inside of the convention. We'll talk to him about this Bernie or bust phenomenon and his perspective of someone who's not at all in the marijuana movement, but someone who supports it. Uh, how does he see uh, the marijuana issue uh, in Philadelphia and the protests and the platform plank and all of that? So we'll get that perspective coming up right after this first break. But of course, we also have to take you to the Cannabis Radio News. And in the headlines today, we've got some more news on the Democrats and their platform plank on marijuana legalization. We got news out of Illinois on the governor working with law enforcement to secure a decriminalization bill for the state that's got some provisions we're not too happy about. In Washington, D.C., there's a new synthetic THC drug that's been approved for medical use by the FDA, but your flower is still illegal. Also, we take a look, uh, another look at that data we talked about yesterday in the data mines uh, about which places in America are smoking the most pot. We've got the regional results to tell you about today. We've got a bit of good news from Los Angeles where there's one less marijuana tax on the ballot. And in Anchorage, they're finally getting around to licensing some of the first commercial grows. We'll tell you all about that. It's all coming up today on the Russ Belville Show live on CannabisRadio.com. And don't forget, we'll be a part of the Indo Expo here in Portland, Oregon. We've got a huge booth slash lounge available at Indo Expo. And that takes place first weekend of August. So we're looking forward to that. Stay tuned. We're back with Peter Ogburn right after this. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
We don't limit how much you smoke, and we don't limit where you listen. Cannabis Radio is now on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Dr. Dapper, honey, temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up. I'm afraid of this little guy. It's just too late. What caught the problem? Only Dr. Dapper can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct. Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber. Doctor's order. Less heat, <laughs> more flavor. Doc Rob, the concierge for better living. Cannabis is just one of the many great plants that we have on this planet called Earth that we can use consciously and intelligently to improve our well-being. Take a real, raw, inside look at healthier living while sharing great ideas and improvements for a better quality of life. Learning to live and live well is a lifelong process. This is a journey. You could be you could be 80 years old or 8 years old. You can still learn something that's going to make tomorrow a little bit healthier, a little bit easier, a little bit happier, a little bit better. The Concierge for Better Living with Doc Rob. Only on CannabisRadio.com. You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation. Only on CannabisRadio.com. At Herbie's Cannabis Seeds, we pride ourselves on bringing you the best quality seeds from the world's most respected cannabis seed producers, all at the lowest online prices. You can find Herbie's Seeds at Herbie'sHeadShop.com. All cannabis seeds are sold as souvenirs and as a means of preserving cannabis genetics. Herbie Seeds in no way intends to condone, promote, or incite the use of illegal or controlled substances. We strongly urge all prospective customers to check their national laws prior to placing an order. Herbie's Seeds at Herbie'sHeadShop.com. Proud sponsors of The Russ Belville Show and 420 Radio. Reforming America's marijuana prohibition laws takes education, lobbying, and voting. From Washington, D.C. to your state capitol to your city hall, marijuana law reform involves all levels of civic life. Learn how you can make your impact with elected officials as we take a look at our government at work. Today at Government Work and for the rest of this week, we're going to be taking a look at the Democratic National Convention taking place in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And today we go out to the, what is it, the Wells Fargo Center, the Wells Fargo Arena, where the Democrats are still meeting for their convention. And we're trying to reach Peter Ogburn from the Bill Press Show. He's uh, been a long-time uh, listener. Zero. Yeah, still getting his uh, his message machine. He said he'd be he'd be inside, and it might be uh, kind of difficult to get in touch with him. But boy, I am crossing my fingers, hoping he sees this uh, phone ringing now, because we really would like to talk to him about what's happening with the Democratic National Convention. Yesterday, Bill Clinton spoke. Former President Bill Clinton gave a, a, a really great speech. He can't. You can't deny the big dog is the most gifted natural politician of our generation. I would listen to him read the phone book. But as I was listening to him, it was problematic on a couple of uh, reasons because of the uh, uh, some of the the some of the policies that the Clinton administration put into effect in the 90s were the same kind of things we're trying to fix now. Let's go to our phones where we've got uh, Peter Ogburn on the line. Peter, can you hear me okay? I hear you, Russ. How you doing, man? Fantastic. It's so great to talk to you. How are you doing? I'm doing well. It's been so long since I've talked to you. I really appreciate you having me on. I'm I'm currently sitting uh, in an Uber about to go back into the arena. I was there earlier today. Uh, I got a little lay of the land, but we're going to go back because uh, this is a big night. This is a really, really big night that uh, I think is important to see. Yes, and uh, you've got you've been inside all three days so far? I have. Jesus, it's been three days. It feels like I've been here forever. Uh, yes, three days. We've, we've been there all three days. We're broadcasting the Bill Press show in the mornings, uh, and then we just sort of usually hang around for a couple hours afterwards and uh, and, and talk to some people. That's when reporters and, and 
folks start kind of pouring in. So right on. Uh, yeah, we, we we've been just kind of hanging out. It's uh, it's quite a vibe here. Well, one of the things that's that's caught our listeners' attention, uh, many of our listeners being on the very progressive tip, you know, a bunch of hippie dope smoking marijuana legalizers, uh, big fans, <laughs> big fans. Hey, of, count me in in that crowd, by the way. That crowd's got a better party than any of the ones I've seen in Philadelphia. Yet. Hey, uh, if you if you happen to see the fifty one foot joints uh, running around town, uh, hook up with the the leaders there, uh, Chris Goldstein and Nikki Poe. Tell them I tell them I sent you in to and to give you a oh, smoke. Oh, I absolutely will. Yeah, I saw that. Actually actually from a distance um and it looked really cool i'll, I'll have to tell them hello because it's hard to miss well what we're wondering here is you know on the first night we heard a lot of booze uh from people in the bernie camp that were coming down toward any mention of hillary's name by yesterday in the roll call we saw a lot of empty seats and, and a bernie walkout what's this whole bernie phenomenon been like from your perspective to, to looking at it uh, you know uh, from the bill press show Okay, I have to tell you, I've been here since Saturday. We got here on Saturday. Uh, and we've been walking around the city. We've been in many different parts of the city. We're really kind of trying to get out and, and, and see the place. I've probably seen 70, including a bunch of people that were gathered at a, at a, at a rally, 70 Bernie T-shirts. I've seen probably two Hillary shirts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, and I say two because I know I've seen one, and I think I saw a second one, but I'm not sure. So there's a real sort of air around Philadelphia that, uh, that this should be Bernie's convention. But at the same time, um, you know, the people who are really here uh, who understand, you know, how this process really works, uh, like it or not, right? It's not a defense of the process, but who understand yeah. how the process works. Yeah. They sort of get it. Uh, and, you know, I have to say, Monday, when Bernie got the three-minute standing ovation, and uh, on Tuesday, when he officially put her name in uh, to nomination, the applause and the respect and the treatment that he was a real person who deserved respect uh, I think really went far for a lot of Bernie supporters. Hmm. You know, they have been talked down to, they've been categorized at all different kind of things throughout this campaign. And we know that the DNC was actively working and I, against them. And I think that it all just sort of came to a head where Bernie and Bernie supporters actually felt appreciated. And I think that really changed the dynamic here. Hmm. That I did seem to be a, a little less contentious when I was watching uh, yesterday as compared to Monday. That's for sure. And uh, another thing we were we were curious about, you know, because you've got the perspective of someone who's looking at, you know, politics from the Beltway and the the, the big picture. And of course, we out here on the West Coast, we're looking at this little picture about marijuana legalization. We're pretty excited that the yeah. Democratic Party came around to adding a very pro legalization plank. But aside from that, are you seeing an effect of, of marijuana politics? The effect of the the big money from Colorado and Washington uh, is it having any? Is it breaking through to these older establishment Dems that legalization's the way to go? So here's the interesting thing about conventions: uh, if if uh anyone listening uh, doesn't know this. There's basically two different conventions going on. There's the hall, which are for established Democrats, delegates, and then there are all the festivities that happen around the actual convention, which, by the way, are so much more fun. <laughs> but they're sort of unofficial events, but there's a whole industry that's cropped up around it. So you have all these different booths, and you have all this information, and so it's it, you're living in two different worlds. I don't think that there's been any real talk of pot legislation from the, uh, from the actual convention, uh, from any of the speakers. If there have, I've missed it, but there's a lot of, uh, uh, marijuana talk around the convention. So it's definitely in the air, uh, in more ways than one, <laughs> uh, but it's definitely in the air here, uh, in Philadelphia. Mm. Another uh, consideration we have uh, broadening out from marijuana is the war on drugs and then, of course, mass incarceration on top of that. We find a lot of those policies were instituted during the first Clinton administration. How 
is Hillary's campaign going to forcefully fight uh, against mass incarceration, against the war on drugs, uh, and deal with Black, Li- Black Lives Matter when so many of these policies were created the first time she was sitting in the White House? I have a very, very easy answer for you, Russ. She won't. <laughs> they're not going to be. They're, they're not. They're not going to touch it with a ten foot pole. And and I think that the Hillary Clinton campaign has done a very interesting shift on the narrative of taking the Black Lives Matter message and talking about, uh, you, you know, the killing of uh, innocent black people in America, and they've turned it into that is the only thing that Black Lives Matter stands for. You talk about the mass incarceration. And they just very easily gloss over that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that she's done a I – mean, look, I'm, I'm, I hate to give her credit for something that's sort of so nefarious, but they've changed – she's done a good job of changing the narrative into the Black Lives Matter movement really stands for um, – against gun violence, mm-hmm. which is one of the many things that, that, as we know, that the Black Lives Matter movement is about. So – that's my impression is they're just going to gloss over it. They're not going to get into it. Mm. Now, on uh, going back to Senator Sanders, and you say him uh, gaining uh, a bunch of respect here at this uh, convention from the leadership. Um, I- I'm wondering how much of that was helped by the DNC leak. Like uh, they-, they had to be a little more gracious after getting caught with their pants down. And in the yeah. future, should Clinton win this election, is there some benefit for Bernie Sanders in this? Does he get a Senate majority spot or something like that? Bernie Sanders, I think, will be well taken care of under a Hillary Clinton presidency. I really, really do. And you make a good point about the DNC things. I think that the Sanders campaign realized the DNC tried to screw them over. And a lot of Democrats who are or a lot of Hillary Clinton Democrats realized that this was a bad look. I mean, no, there weren't a lot of people out there realistically trying to defend this. Who know how the process works? You know, Donna Brazil did a great job immediately after she took over as interim chair, immediately writing this big thing, uh, reaching out to Sanders supporters and personally going and meeting with the Sanders campaign and apologizing. And I think there was just sort of a, um, just sort of a, you know, the, the whole unity thing is, I think, a little overused when we talk about the conventions. But it, w- it was a real moment of unity where the DNC said, we screwed up. Bernie Sanders' campaign said, yeah, you really screwed up. <laughs> and I think they just sort of moved forward from that. So I think that the, some of the love that he did get probably did come from the fact that they felt bad about it. Because it's not a good look. Yeah. And I worry, though, that this apology and worrying about the optics of it uh, kind of glosses over the, the the meat of the issue, which is the tipping of the scales of democracy, which I don't think Donna Brazil's apology really addressed. It, it kind of said, we're sorry about the the bad remarks and it doesn't reflect our spirit of neutrality. Yeah. But I didn't get a sense that we're going to do anything to make this a more transparent and fair process. You're right about that. I don't know that they took this to a level where everybody felt good about moving forward, but I think that, you know, there was a sense among the Sanders campaign, uh, and you saw some of the Sanders staffers even talk about this, tweet about this, and saying, you know, no one stole this election from us. And I think to say that the election was stolen is um, – is maybe a bit extreme, but yeah. at the same time, you're right. I don't think that there was a real acknowledgement that, like, yeah, we played really, really dirty with you, and this has got to be fixed yeah. uh, for future elections. Yeah, I don't think that, that was really properly addressed. But uh, I think it was, I guess what I'm trying to say is, I think it was addressed enough for the standards. Uh, enough for now, yeah. I, I kind of liken it to um, Deflate Gate. You know, the Indianapolis Colts got beat bad by the Patriots. But that still doesn't make the Colts feel good about deflated footballs. Right. Exactly. Yeah, you're exactly right. Look, if, if uh, even if the balls were deflated when the Patriots beat the Colts, they would have won by three touchdowns. Right. Right. Maybe. Yeah. And you know I'm sure I mean? I'm sure Hillary Clinton still would have pulled, you know, a massive delegate lead out of the South, regardless of if it was fair exactly. or not. And she'd have probably exactly. won. But yeah. it exactly. doesn't ever feel good to be playing a game when you know the refs are against you. We got about a minute left. I bef- guess I, well, I'm sorry, Peter. We got about a minute left before our our, our mandatory union required twenty after break. So uh, understood. I know how it works. <laughs> just last thoughts from you on the DNC. Maybe things that we haven't seen that you thought were cool or should be noted. 
Uh, I have to say, really watch for the Obama speech tonight. Uh, I think that is going to be the thing that we remember most from this convention. I don't think it's going to be Hillary's speech. I think it's going to be Obama's speech. And I think that when people are talking to their friends about why they shouldn't vote for Donald Trump, they'll be using stuff that they heard in Barack Obama's speech tonight. Excellent. Well, uh, Peter Ogburn from the Bill Press Show, we thank you for joining us here, and we encourage people to check out Bill Press, Washington, D.C., AM Talk Radio, and uh, on CNN. Thanks, Peter. I'm in. You don't scare me. I got chunks of guys like you in my stool. All right, we got to take ourselves a break because it is 20 after. That means it's 420 in Denver, Colorado, the home of legal marijuana. We'll take a break and come back with our Cannabis Radio News right after this. How high do you like your profit margin? Cannabisradio.com Dr. Dabber, hurry. Its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up. I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct. Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber, doctor's order. Less heat, more flavor. The smoke is rising, and the next crop of podcasts devoted to cannabis providers and enthusiasts are ready to be harvested. Welcome to the Cannabis Radio Network, founded by respected rainmakers who have been producing award-winning podcasts for over a decade. Industry headlines, business updates, medical reports, marketing, and e-commerce education rolled up perfectly for your consumption. Let's grow together. The Cannabis Radio Network. CannabisRadio.com Warning. Hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. Or at least they pay me to say that. A public service message from CannabisRadio.com and the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest-growing business association in the fastest-growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. It's time for the Cannabis Radio News. Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis Radio News. This is your Cannabis Radio News for Wednesday, July 27, 2016. Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. The Democrats have become the first major political party in the United States to endorse, quote, a reasoned pathway for future marijuana legalization, end quote, in their party platform at the convention in Philadelphia. The platform plank, fought for by supporters of Senator Bernie Sanders, calls for the removal of cannabis from Schedule 1 of the Government's Controlled Substances Act, where it sits with heroin, LSD, and PCP. However, Democratic nominee Hillary Clinton doesn't support nationwide marijuana legalization yet, and the platform also includes her belief that legalization should work out first in the states as, quote, laboratories of democracy, end quote. The platform also recognizes the disparate impact of marijuana prohibition on African Americans and the need to reform banking and tax laws to allow state legal marijuana businesses to operate. Springfield, Illinois. 
Governor Bruce Rauner is working with the Illinois State Police on how to handle a proposal to make marijuana possession in small amounts punishable only with fines under a bill he appears poised to sign. The legislation, which also sets a standard for what's considered too high to drive, includes stronger provisions the Republican governor suggested to lawmakers last year as a condition for signing off on removing jail time for having 10 grams or less of pot. Rauner recommended the DUI standard for marijuana should be 5 nanograms of THC, marijuana's intoxicating chemical, in a driver's blood within two hours of consumption. Lawmakers initially proposed that the standard be 15 nanograms. Washington, D.C. The FDA has approved the sale of a new liquid form of the synthetic THC medication called dronabinol. The new drug, called Syndros, has been designated a Schedule Three drug, meaning it has medical use and is not highly addictive, despite being 100% synthetic THC. While natural cannabis registering as high as 25% THC is considered a non-medical addictive Schedule One illegal drug. Doctors in all 50 states will be free to prescribe Syndros, though the demand from patients for the drug may be lacking. With the new Syndros and the Dronabinol and Marinol pills before it, patients find that the THC all by itself lacks the efficacy of whole plant cannabis with its varying cannabinoid constituents, something Dr. Sanjay Gupta referred to as the entourage effect. These Schedule Three legal THC drugs lack the other main cannabinoid, CBD, that's found in marijuana and tends to regulate the feelings of anxiety and paranoia that synthetic THC alone tends to create. San Francisco, California. According to the latest government data, the city by the bay has the nation's highest rate of monthly marijuana smoking. Over 15% of San Francisco residents aged 12 or older smoke marijuana monthly, according to the Substance Abuse Mental Health Services Administration. Nationwide, marijuana is used monthly by 7.7% of the population. South Texas is the region with the lowest use rate at slightly less than 4% of the population. As for perception of marijuana's risk, people in the third ward of Washington, D.C. were least likely to see marijuana use as harmful, with only 14% seeing great risk of harm from pot. Greatest harm was perceived in Miami-Dade County, Florida, with nearly half the residents finding great risk of harm from using marijuana. Los Angeles, California. The Los Angeles County supervisors have pulled a planned ballot measure that sought to institute a 10% tax on marijuana businesses. The plan was to raise the tax revenue to aid the homeless, but the supervisor proposing the tax received word from homeless services and drug rehabs that accepting the tax revenue would be perceived as supporting marijuana legalization. Proposition 64 already proposes a statewide 15% tax on marijuana in addition to a $9.75 per ounce tax on cultivation. Anchorage, Alaska. The first legal commercial cannabis grow in the state of Alaska has been approved by the city of Anchorage. A local marijuana license and special use permit for Dream Green Farms was approved Tuesday, and a second grow license for Arctic Herbery was forwarded for additional review. Tuesday's meeting was the first time the Anchorage Assembly had taken public input on the issue. This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Wednesday, July 27, 2016. I'm Russ Belville. Maui Wowie, Acapulco Gold, California Kush. Our strain stretch everywhere, too. This is the Cannabis Radio Network. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. About a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow. The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put the big celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Cheech and Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is him pink, that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh yeah, get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Georgia. Hi, this is Willie Nelson. Alcohol prohibition didn't work in the 1920s and marijuana prohibition isn't working today. It's time we stopped arresting responsible marijuana smokers. It's the fair thing to do. For more information, contact Normal, the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. 
call toll-free 888-67-NORML or visit their website at norml.org. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. I eat China all the time. Okay, maybe you're high too. Get dot buzz. Dot buzz is the internet platform that fuels community interest, excitement, and new experiences. Dot buzz is the premier online destination for internet users seeking the latest news on a variety of topics. Dot buzz appeals to groups active in blogging, communications, journalism, advertising, and marketing. Dot buzz offers registrants a stronger alternative to the shrinking namespace of existing top-level domain names such as dot com, dot net, and dot org. Get your name now at get dot buzz. Marijuana legalization also ushers in the return of the American hemp industry. Get the latest news from the author of Hemp Bound and Too High to Fail, Doug Fine, in our Hemp Day Hump Day update. Welcome back, everybody. Time for our Hemp Day Hump Day update, and we go out to Doug Fine. Or a river right now. Which uh, is a message once again, so we will try one more call out to Doug Fine, see if we can reach him. He's uh, one of the leading experts in industrial hemp throughout the country, the author of Too High to Fail and Hemp Bound. And uh, we try speaking to him every other Wednesday here to get our Hemp Day Hump Day update. Let's go to the phone lines. Doug, do we have you there? We got. We, we are here. Thank you for your patience while I was in some sketchy reception. Oh, totally understood. You're always on the move. Where are you at now? So my, my uncle in voicemail says, I, uh, I hope that the reason I missed your call is I'm in a hemp field or at a river, and today was river. Um, <laughs> and now I'm on my way to the Hemp on the Slope uh, Expo in western Colorado. Big enough state to demand two hemp expos every year. And uh, this should be a fun one because it's a really rural area outside of Delta Junction. Now, I know you had mentioned you were uh, participating in some other hemp expo last time we talked to you. How did that go? Oh yes, so there's there's uh there's uh so many so much exciting news to bring us up to date on. There's now 31 hemp states. Um, I, and so at, at Hemp History Week time last month, um, I was in Hawaii, which had just unanimously passed its uh, houses, bipartisan unanimously passed their hemp bill. So that was really fun to do field visits there because there's uh, every place in the world needs it, but Hawaii may need regenerative agriculture and. Um, <coughs> food and energy independence more than any place else. They import 80% of their food. And so um, to have a uh, hemp crop that can keep soil healthy while growing food crops while also providing energy and food itself, reduce imports, it's huge there, and the whole state realizes it from politicians to farmers. Well, that's great news, uh, getting hemp in Hawaii. I had seen some uh, adjustments to hemp in North Carolina as well, like they redefined what research was. Do you know anything about that? Yeah, so, again, we have this this tiered system right now and the, there's it's only good news the, the facts are only good news on the ground the only sort of impediment is that uh to 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 um the good news being implemented is that it's moving so fast the good news that it's hard for political sides to certain states to pivot to grasp what's going on here's what i mean by that last December was the provision that a lot of good one the Justice Department interfering with state hemp programs, specifically including interstate commerce. So that means if you're a hemp program, you can get person seed from another hemp program, um, or if you're a member of a hemp program. So you're protected on that level. And so some states, in North Carolina is among them, they don't quite grasp that yet because just a year or so ago, the states that looked like they had the best programs were ones that were along the lines of the Kentucky model. And here on this Hump Day Hump Day segment, we were really praising Kentucky because they took the feds to the mat and got this sort of, you know, illogical but accepted middle ground whereby anybody who's approved for a, a state uh, permit in, let's say, Kentucky and Tennessee has a similar model, the state will help them import seeds via the DEA, via an import process. And that's great if your application gets approved. But the U.S go get them attitude, the, the seed stock has been rebuilt in the U.S., uh, overturning the great tragedy of, of cannabis prohibition that started in 1938, even more quickly than optimists like myself predicted. And so we don't need to import, and therefore don't need um, federal assistance, thanks to this provision 
from last December. And so the states that wound up being the most laissez-faire, either because they didn't want to get involved and tangled in a big uh, effort of helping their farmers or because they couldn't afford to, and those are states like Vermont and Oregon, anyone who signs up and pays the fee gets in. Those are looking like the best programs now because now you can get it from your friends who are cultivating in other states. Some states just don't get that yet, and they're insisting on starting slow. But, you know, everyone's going to catch up, but it's like completely unnecessary. It's, it's, you can cultivate hemp if you're a part of a state program, even under this research provision, uh, as though it were, you know, any other agricultural product. And some states get it, and some states soon will. Hmm. And isn't, uh, I know another state that hadn't gotten it for a while was Washington State, where they had legalized commercial marijuana cultivation, but you still couldn't grow hemp. Has that situation been fixed? It has, yeah. The only reason it didn't pass last session, 2015, is they just sort of ran out of time there. Mm-hmm. One of those states that has a short session and couldn't quite get to it. So it was a bit of a no-brainer this year, but the, the, the uh, uh, what should we say, the angels in the details. So we're watching not just Washington, a number of states carefully that have passed their hemp bills, and it's all about how the regs are implemented, and this matters. You know, I'm, I'm consulting um, with some folks in Washington State and, and helping them implement their hemp program, and when you go to the, the website for the state of Washington um, right now and, and look at their frequently asked questions, it's all, yeah, we're working on it, yep, we're working on the regs, yep. <laughs> Will I be able to cultivate next year? We're working on it. Can we get seeds? We're working on it. So that's great, and that's true in a number of states, and hopefully they will... Uh, all these states will make their regulations in sync with the reality on the ground, which is let your farmers grow, because that's in sync with federal law, and that's what's good for the economy. The example that I give with other states that I'm helping with who are, consi- who are walking this line, let's say the state attorney general might be saying, but oh, isn't it a class one, you know, narcotic? Don't we have to worry about, you know, federal law? The, the um, you know, the, the, uh, the argument that I make is, imagine when Silicon Valley was emerging in the late 70s and you had Jobs and Ellison and all the great thinkers um, that lead you know, to everything that we have uh, today, like my cell phone that we're speaking on. Um, if, imagine if state law was saying, yeah, four of you can start developing your products, but the other 200 have to wait until, you know, because we're a little scared about something. That's not a state generally speaking, a state attitude about businesses, and it's absurd to be uh, even considering hemp in that way, especially when our friends in Congress have gone through the trouble of changing federal law from us so we're, we're protected and we can get rolling at full steam ahead. Even under, this, Russ, even under this research provision, the research provision, which hopefully will soon be changed to full commercial, um, it allows marketing research. States are able to State far- farmers and state hemp programs are allowed to sell their crop by way of marketing research, and that's what, what's happening without any problems at all. Mm, that's good news. Uh, it's always so weird when we talk about hemp because we're talking for the longest time, uh, talking about something that's not a drug. We can always say, you know, hemp is not a drug. But now with the renewed interest in CBD, we've got some of these guys that are looking at growing hemp specifically to get CBD out of it. Is that starting to get on people's radar, and is it complicating the regulatory process? It very much depends on who you ask. Two people with whom I've spoken in the last week have given polar opposite opinions on that. The bigger picture issue that you're describing is absolutely correct that the cannabinoid profile, because I think it, you know, I'm part of a three-family co-op in Vermont this year. We're growing 23 acres, including several specifically for flower. And um, uh, I've been thinking way beyond CBD, as we all know. The, the, the cannabinoids in combination with bioflavonoids, terpenes, and the plants uh, produce, um, let's be safe, nutraceutical and health maintenance aids, very, very healthy things, healthy components that can be added to everything from body care products to food products um, to animal feed. And so um, you, you can cultivate for those, um, but there is sort of chatter at all levels going on. Um, a few weeks ago, I was out visiting uh, the first organically certified, uh, federally ha- organically certified hemp uh, project, uh, CBDRX in Colorado. And I was interviewing those good folks there. I've been uh, covering them for, for the hemp TV show regularly. And their head of cultivation, when I asked them that question, I said, boy, a lot of chatter about where will this, will there be an attempt to regulate CBD? Are you paying attention? And he goes, I'm not paying any attention to it because it's not, it's insane, and it's not going to happen, and we won't let it happen. And, uh, you know, I'm paraphrasing. Basically, the truth is 
like garlic, ginseng, and echinacea, non-psychoactive cannabinoid components are healthy components of an herb that's safe for the whole family. And mm-hmm. so they're regu- attempting to regulate it is insane. Now, the fact is, there is a lot of hucksterism going on around CBD, especially imported CBD. So it's just a clear-cut case of know your farmer. Um, feel free to contact you know, me via my website to see what products we wind up with. Our Vermont temp is looking great. If people follow, follow me on Twitter, you'll see uh, this incredible field that's uh, going off. Quite a bit of beginner's luck. We're having a, a really, really good time out that way. But not just our project. There's plenty of people doing a great job growing um, hemp for flour, and the, the concept of it being regulated is insane. But I was speaking to a major hemp lobbyist in D.C. last week because we're really worried about it. So, you know, something to keep an eye on. But I like the idea of not letting idiocy reach the table and, and, <laughs> and fighting them. Well, I mean, uh, Trump is the Republican nominee. That uh, boat has sailed. <laughs> idiocy has reached the table. Uh, this uh, this leads to a question uh, from the chat room. Uh, someone was asking if you knew what would be the uh, best sort of hemp salves for skin cancer, for mel- for melanomas, or anything like that. So it's a fantastic question, and of course, it has to be started with a disclaimer, which is um, that I'm not a healthcare practitioner, and I can only speak anecdotally, and I can only speak um, from my own and my family's experience and those of friends of mine. Um, so. Um, but um, I would say that uh, there is research underway, even if you, you, know, you like you know, Western academic research, about some of the cytotoxic or tumor-reversing qualities of certain components of the cannabis plant. Um, but also, um, I you know, feel very blessed to say, in the case of my family where we're not sick, um, for health maintenance, to keep your skin and your health, all your cells healthy in the first place. So this answer goes not just for people that are already suffering, but for people who want to stay healthy. What I recommend, and again, not as a medical advice, but as what I choose to do and what anecdotal evidence convinces me um, is good for my family, is, uh, is uh, seek out people that cultivate uh, organically and who render their cannabis as traditionally as possible. So I'll give one example. There's a group called the Fat Pig Society, another co-op out of Colorado, and they only grow organic. It's the only requirement for joining the co-op. And it's great that they, grow, they cultivate collectively. Anything that's paid to them goes directly to the farmers at the end of the year. And they render it in organic coconut oil through decarboxylation through cooking. So no fancy-schmancy uh, new, new world machinery. Not that all new world machinery is bad, but um, they do it like the shaman did it. Um, they price it very, very reasonably. And um, but even the coconut oil comes from a women's collective organic in Fiji that powers its uh, processing from the coconut hull. So um, seek out people that are doing it right. Know your farmer. And, um, I, you know, you have to experiment in, with your dosing as well. You know, some, everybody's body's different. And a certain amount of, let's say, CBD, the non-psychoactive cannabinoid, might work better for uh, if, the, if, the, if the person in the chat room is asking about, uh, is asking about topical skin mm-hmm. um, treatment. You know, I would just look up that big society and... Um, and uh, what was and, that? What was know, that society I, again? What's the name of it again? Fat Pig Society. It's based on a traditional, I think, Pacific Island concept of when the pigs are fat, everything's well in, in the culture. Huh. It's called the Fat Pig Society, and that's just one. That's just one. They're out of Colorado. There's many, many more for folks on the East Coast. I think I said you might want to look up our our uh, cooperative in Vermont. But the main thing is know your farmer, ask the questions. Um, and and make sure that you're getting things that are grown in a in a healthy manner, yeah. and uh, you know figure out ask around what the dosage is that you might want to use for your particular need. Well, thanks, Doug. We're we're out of time for the Hemp Day Hump Day, but we'll talk to you in a couple weeks. Always great, Russ. Thanks. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Every strain, every sale, every medical study. Keep it right here on the Cannabis Radio Network. <sighs> cash? Sorry. I don't carry around cash, and I don't want to use the ATM and pay surcharges. You don't need to carry cash. Haven't you heard about PayQuick? Okay, tell me about PayQuick. It's the safe and easy way to pay. It works just like your debit card. Securely pay your purchase and get a reward point every time you use it. 
price. Pay quick. The safe and easy way to pay. P A Y Q W I C K dot com. Previously on the Stoner Jesus Show. Hello. Hey, uh, are you the one that put the ad on Craigslist? Uh, Using the, the personal no. section uh, about you know want to have a little uh, have a little good time tonight. No. Nothing about you know any uh, backdoor action. No. A little fifth base. You're not into that. No, and I I suggest you don't fucking call my phone number. You fucking perverted bastard. Are you, are you sure you're not the one on the Craigslist? You're talking dirty to me. Damn, she hung up. That was good. It was funny though. The Stoner Jesus Show, live Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Or find the Stoner Jesus Show podcast on demand at CannabisRadio.com and StonerJesus.net. Peace, bitches. The Russ Belleville Show. We're as much like Cheech and Chong as ordinary Americans are like the Three Stooges. Hey, Mo! Coming soon to a city near you, Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. Get all your cannabis accounting, legal, and compliance questions answered by their knowledgeable panel of industry experts who want to help your cannabis boom. Whether you're a grower, dispensary operator, or a newcomer to the field, your cannabis needs Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. For information on upcoming events, visit CannabisFinanceBootCamp.com. must wage what I have called total war against public enemy number one. I support a change in law to end federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. That marijuana, pot, grass, whatever you want to call it, is probably the most dangerous drug. Some think there won't be room for them in jail. We'll make room. I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it, and didn't inhale. And one major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. Entirely legitimate topic uh, for debate. Radical Rant. Well, folks, for the Radical Rant, I'm going to keep with the Democratic National Convention theme, and boy, did I have an epic rant all ready for you today. I was up to about 3,000 words of it this morning when the WordPress blog I was writing it in suddenly said, poof, (laughs) and took all my words away. So I don't have it all structured like I normally would for the rant. I hope you'll uh, forgive me for that, but I'll just riff it off the top of my head. And I'm going to start with the end because when I got to the end, I was doing some research at the end of the rant. I kind of learned some things that diffuse one of the biggest scares that we get. And and this is the, I think the thing that's got me most upset about this election is I don't like elections of fear. I don't like to be frightened. I don't like to be scared, scaremongered too. I I get enough of that in my day job with the drug war. You know, I don't need the the politicians doing to him. And you see that meme that goes around. That's, that's, uh, uh, you got to vote for Hillary or else we'll get Trump. You got to vote for Trump or else we'll get Hillary. Both sides are, are, are on it right now. The Republicans, we couldn't have nominated somebody to drive Republican voter turnout as much as Hillary Clinton. (laughs) You know, she is going to bring more Republicans to the polls than anybody possibly could have. Uh, and then on the converse side, the Republicans, uh, could not have nominated someone more loathsome to drive the the hate turnout on this side. And on both situations, on both sides, the candidates, everybody seems to be voting more against the other guy becoming the president, not for their person becoming the president. And that, that's kind of frustrating to me. But in this, I'm going to just stick to the left on this side because that's typically where I reside. And I know I have a lot of libertarian and conservative listeners as well. And maybe as you're listening to this, you could just swap the names and it might feel the same to you. Uh, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a guy on the right. Although somebody on Facebook uh, got all pissed, pissy at me for being a Republican the other day. So who knows? Um, <laughs> anyway, what's going on here with me is that this uh, uh, scare You've, we've got to, you've got to hold your nose and vote for Hillary Clinton, despite the fact that she supports war and fracking and she's shady as hell and lies, you know, all the lies. That's, that's part of what really gets to me. And, and for me, it's not political lies. It's lies about things that 
didn't have to be lied about. That's what really like opens up the character box for me, right? I understand that a politician's going to say some bullshit to try to get elected, and when he gets in office, he faces the realities of politics and has to change or whatever. And it's not even her being anti-gay marriage, you know, on the Senate floor and then pro-gay marriage in 20 what, 13, long after it was safe to be so. That, again, I can write off to being, you know, a political animal, right? In 2004, she said what she had to say. You know, maybe she didn't really believe that way. You could even forgive the Iraq war vote on that. I don't. But you could, at least by saying, well, you know, she's a, a woman. It's, it's war. The president's got a 90% approval rating. What's she going to do? Commit political suicide, right? I could, I could even go that far. I could even understand that. What gets me, and, and people just laugh at me when I say this, is the sniper fire over, over Bosnia. That was something that didn't need to be lied about. That was, that was like a volunteered lie. That wasn't a political situation. That wasn't a bill. That wasn't an issue. That was just stealing valor. That was just trying to be Miss Tough Guy. And that kind of bothered me. And it's like, that was something you didn't have to lie about. And to so easily lie about something for which she had to have known there was video evidence disproving. It's not like she went to Bosnia and nobody was paying attention. There was a press corps. There were cameras. There were hundreds of witnesses. And then the reaction to the getting caught in the demonstrable lie was to try to back it with another lie. She tried to say something about, oh, well, we had to stop to the girl who was there and rush by her. We didn't, couldn't leave her. And then that whole bullshit story you know, unwound as well. And everybody just kind of lets that one fly because, it, it, again, it's not over an issue. It's not over a law. It's not over anything real serious. But to me, it unearths a very critical part of her character. But even beyond that, I want let me get let me get past that because that's that was part of my essay, and I'll write that back up. But one of the big scares that comes across is, well, let me let me divide it into two because I got about seven minutes here. One is that Trump's a madman with his finger on the nuclear button, and he'll be unleashed to uh, wreak havoc on the lands, which always bothers me because it's like, how is it that when the Republican gets in office? He's allowed to wreak havoc upon the lands, but when the Democrat gets in office, even when that Democrat, Bill Clinton, Barack Obama, has a Democratic Congress, both a majority in the House and the Senate, you've got the legislative and the executive branch tied up, somehow the Republicans are always able to keep them from roaming about the land wreaking havoc, in their perspective, in their view. Why is it always... GOP can be in office. GOP is in the can be in the minority and thwart everything the Democrats want to do. But if Donald Trump becomes president, well, we're all powerless. He's going to be able to do everything he wants to do. Well, you know why? I think it's because Democrats realize that they live in a little place called Democrats Cave. You ever heard of Democrats Cave? That's the headline you get every now and then when the Democrats stand up for something, draw a line in the sand, and then uh, about one, two, three days later. Democrats cave on such and such bill. Democrats cave on such and such stand. Democrats cave on such and such nomination. I figure it's where they live in Washington, D.C. is Democrats cave. So so you get uh, 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 Trump in office. He'll he'll be unstoppable because the Democrats know they're spineless. Is that what you're telling me? So that's one of the scares. But the big scare that if you'll pardon me, the Trump card against Trump. Is this Supreme Court, the Supreme Court, my God, Ruth Bader Ginsburg is 83 years old. Stevens is what, 79 and however old. Oh, my God. The next president could name two, three or even four Supreme Court justices. He'll fill Scalia's seat. Trump will fill Scalia's seat and two, three, four liberal moderate seats. With these terrible conservative justices, it'll be a 7-2 majority for the next 30 years. Okay, maybe. But what convinces you that Trump's going to be picking judges that are so much more terrible than any of the justices we've already lived through? I took a look at the Supreme Court justices that were nominated and appointed to the Supreme Court by every Republican president in my lifetime. 
So that's Nixon, Ford, Reagan, Bush one and Bush two, five Republican presidents in my lifetime. I, I'm not count, I'm not going back. Technically, I was born January of 68. And so what LBJ might have been president for a little. No, I was 31st. So Nixon was probably in eh, whatever. I started with Nixon. That's my point. Five Republican presidents nominating 11 justices to the Supreme Court over their terms. And when I looked up the ideological leanings of those justices, five of them were pretty hardcore conservatives. Scalia, Alito, Thomas, those types. Five of them were moderates, though. Remember that Reagan nominated Sandra Day O'Connor. Bush, too, gave us a suitor, a liberal. He was actually the one liberal. So out of the five Republican presidents nominating 11 justices, five were conservatives, five were moderates, one was a liberal. So who's to say that Trump doesn't replace Scalia's seat with the next O'Connor? Or the next suitor, for that matter. Or the next Kennedy. Now, if the Democrats don't go and hide in Democrats' cave, they could filibuster any of the, the real conservative types, the Scalias, the Alitos, and, and just not put them on the bench. The Republicans have already set a precedent that you don't have to seat a Supreme Court justice. They're not going to seat Merrick Garland. They already set the precedent. Why let up on that? Why is it the Democrats can't take the example of how dickish the Republicans act and use that in retaliation when they're in the same position? Because they go live in Democrats' cave, that's why. So don't blame us if Trump gets in and then the Supreme Court becomes a 7-2 super conservative minority or majority if the Democrats in the Senate don't stop it. You wonder why we don't show up in those midterms elections this is this is why we don't see anything that gives us hope to think that it's going to matter. But also consider this possibility. The next president might not seat any Supreme Court justices. Already, they, like I said, set the precedent that you don't have to confirm a justice. So why should the next Senate confirm one over an entire term? Oh, there will be hell to pay. There will be political ramifications. Yeah, but if it's, if it's the apocalypse you're saying it is, why wouldn't you stand up for that against any political ramifications? But let's say they do fill Scalia's seat. We're back to a 5-4. But who's to say that Ginsburg doesn't last an entire term? Well, Russ, she'd be 87 years old by the end of Trump's first term. Yeah, but check this out. Jimmy Carter did not nominate a single Supreme Court justice in his one term. The oldest justice at the time when Jimmy Carter took office was 70 years old. By the time he left office in 1981, that justice was 74. The average white male life expectancy in 1976 was 69.5 years old. So statistically speaking, there was just as much likelihood of a Supreme Court justice dying during Jimmy Carter's term as when you take a look at the statistics for 2016, 40 years later, what is the average life expectancy of a white woman? 81.1 years. And again, Ginsburg's 83. So there's just as much chance of Ginsburg passing away in the next four years, as there was the oldest justice in Carter's Supreme Court passing away in those four years, and it didn't happen. So don't use the Supreme Court as a big threat. And, and furthermore, on some issues, and, and again, please do not misconstrue this in any way as me being supportive of Donald Trump winning the presidency. Let's have that disclaimer on every talk we have. But at least on one issue. On the trade issue, TPP, NAFTA, all that stuff, I trust Donald Trump more than I trust uh, Hillary Clinton. And as far as who's going to be picking Supreme Court justices who would approve of such constitutionally questionable deals, who knows? Hillary Clinton might be picking us a, a generations-long Supreme Court majority that makes pro-business rulings, anti-privacy rulings, pro-government rulings, pro-law enforcement rulings. 
Boy, I hope I can remember most of what I had written up earlier today. I'll try to get it written up tonight, but I got a lot of work to do. (laughs) And, of course, President Obama speaking at the convention. I don't want to miss that. If you've joined us late, we're not doing an hour two today. Again, I'm taking it easy, but you can uh, stay tuned to 5 o'clock Pacific time for Stoner Jesus. He'll be on live. For everyone here at CannabisRadio.com, I'm Radical Russ. Thanks for joining us, and until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You're trying